I'm Nevada Basketball's Jordan Caroline, and you listen to Pack Center. What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with my magnificent co-host, Miguel McNamara. Both men's and women's basketball regular seasons have concluded, and we sat down with softball's ace, Julia Jensen. But before we talk about the Mountain West Tournament, let's take a look at the recap of the ending of men's basketball season. We start out last Wednesday with a domination victory over Nevada Southern, 101-75. to This was a huge win for Nevada as they were only coming into the game. They were only favored by two points. Some storylines from this game is that the Martin Twins are good at this thing of basketball, that this thing called basketball. Uh, this is a big win for the Governor's Series and the limitation of Javon Mooring. Let's start out with some offense. Caleb Martin dropped 19 points, 8 rebounds. Cody Martin had 26 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists. Miguel? That, it's... This is what you expect for a number one team to be playing. I think UNLV is ranked seventh or eighth now. Uh, this is what you expect to see. This is what I expect to see in the first matchup between UNLV and Lawler. You expect to see they get beat out by 26 points. That is that is a championship-level um, uh Effort. That's a championship level game right there. It's also very demoralizing for for UNLV to get blown out at home, and this is where the Mountain West tournament is taking place this week. So I feel like Nevada is riding a high heading into the champion into this tournament. Some other stats from the game: Jordan Caroline had 22 points, and Josh Hall had 10 points off the bench. Now we mentioned the first game: Caleb Martin didn't play. And this was big because you lose him on the offensive end and the defensive side of the ball. He's a very tough defender, and we saw that in the second game with the lack of Javon, the lack of Mooring. In the first matchup, Javon Mooring dropped a career-high 30 points, and in this game, he was only able to score five points on two of 16 shooting, and, and he shot 0 of 7 from three. That's that's just Nevada defense right there, getting under uh, Mooring's skin and just saying, no, this may be your house, but it's becoming our house. You're right, and this was really good to see. I did not expect this to be a, such a big blowout as it was, but good for Nevada. They found their rhythm, and they, didn't, they tied the series against the team down south. Yeah. And it was such a blowout. In fact, we did see um, some playing time. The bench time. mob. Yeah, from our bench mob, Elijah Foster, Tooley, Tool Time, uh, Elijah Cooks, the newcomer, Justin Brent as well. Justin Brent got his first career points of his D1 playing career with a nice spinning layup. It was, it was, it was actually a nice play. He is now 100% in the scoring column. Is he? Or in the field goal column. That's that's up for debate or statistical analysis. But let's jump into the second game of the week, and it was not as great of success as Nevada did fall to San Diego State as it was a very tough way 
to end the season. But Nevada has always struggled in Vejas Arena. So I wouldn't say this was expected, but it's Nevada def- was not favored coming into this game. No. San Diego was definitely favored by, I think it was by like one or two more points. Um, I mean, the results show from the Cells loss, loss to San Diego, 79-74. Um, and like you were saying, we haven't had a, Nevada has not had a lot of success in Viejas Arena. Yeah, and Jordan Caroline tied a season high with 29 points, and he also recorded six rebounds. Caleb Martin, uh, 22 points, nine rebounds. Cody, 13 and six. 13, six and six. So I think it was a great performance, but it is tough to win when you're only able to get to the free throw line 12 times, especially with a team like Nevada being able to drive and draw contact. Yeah, and another another reason that they might not have been as prepared is after the UNLV game, uh, the basketball team actually just went straight to San Diego and spent the two or three days until the San Diego State game. See, I don't think that has that much of an impact on... Well, you, you got to think about... they. They probably couldn't practice a lot as much as they're used to being up here and also with not having all the same equipment for treatments and recovery stuff. There's, I would assume that there would be something off. They find ways to get it done. I mean, they might have to use San Diego State's equipment room. I'm pretty sure that they, I'm pretty sure that they did, but San Diego State, uh, I mean, for everybody with equipment room and training rooms and stuff, they're kind of stingy about it. I guess. But uh, on the offensive side of the ball for San Diego State, Malik Pope, as we mentioned on the show last week, 16.6 rebounds to lead the Aztecs. But I can see that this being a team that Nevada does get matched up with uh, in the Mountain West tournament. And they're, they're, a team, they're a team you don't want to face. Like San Diego State is one of those teams that is always tough, no matter who's on their team. Uh, they, they're always a well-coached team, and they, they find ways to get it done. Yeah, they're always very consistent um, as far as uh, placement, how you were saying, uh, being in the winner's column, scoring points. They're, al- they're always very consistent. Let's take a look at the Mountain West Tournament. And so Nevada's first game will be up against either UNLV or Air Force or the Air Force Academy. And I think it is going to be tough because we won't know we won't know who they play until Wednesday after the show is over. Like I'd much rather play Air Force than UNLV. Yeah, I mean, UNLV uh this season we have a one and one one and one record. Uh, Air Force, we've only played uh, once, actually, this season, and we beat them 86-75. So I feel like it would be – it would just be – I think it would be funny if we played UNLV again and beat them again in their stadium, having given them two losses. It would definitely drive the point that, all right, we we belong here. This is our home. Yeah, I think look, I think that would be great. Uh, I think it would be a, such a big confidence booster for Nevada because they've proven that they can go into other people's arenas and still find ways to get it done. And that game, those the first round of matchups will happen on Wednesday 
right after the show is released. Looking at the rest of the rest of the bracket, and on Wednesday you have the seventh seeded Utah State Aggies taking on the tenth seeded Colorado State, where the winner of that game will face the two seed uh, Boise State, and then the then you have Wyoming versus San Jose State, where the winner of that will face New Mexico. So if if Nevada is going to want a chance to get an automatic bid into the March Madness. They're going to have to beat the winner of UNLV Air Force. And then in the second round, they would, or the third round, or the quarterfinal, however you say, they'd play the winner of Air Force State, Air Force, not Air Force, Fresno State, and San Diego State. And then in the championship, they would have to face more than likely, if everything goes according to plan, Boise, the winner of Boise State and New Mexico. Yeah. Two teams that Nevada has beaten. So. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be an easy ride for Nevada, but I think it's definitely going to be a bit tough. It's going to be a bit easier than last year. Because if you remember last year, they played a Fresno State team that beat Nevada twice earlier in the regular season. They beat a very, very tough – what they beat in the second? Are you talking about the, sec- the second round of they, last year? They beat Colorado State in the finals. Um, I think it was uh, Utah in the second round. Utah State. I want to say no, no, no. We played Utah State in the first round. Then we played Fresno State in the second round. All three of those games were very tough. Uh, Last year, Kobe McEwen for Utah State dropped thirty against Nevada in the Mountain West tournament. So I think it's 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 going to be a bit easier. But it would have been nicer if Nevada was able to draw San Jose State in that second round. Yeah, I yeah I agree. It would be easier to. Get San Jose State in there just because it's pretty it's much San Jose auto. State. It's pretty much an automatic win, but they play they play Wyoming, which is the number six seed. So I mean, and Wyoming's gonna kill them. Yeah, I was Justin gonna, James is gonna just probably outscore uh, the entire team. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like San Jose State's not a good team. Wyoming, I, although they're ranked number six, they aren't a team to be underestimated. I see. I think they're gonna be. I think they're gonna be a team that can make some noise in the Mountain West tournament. They're a team. They're they're a good team. We saw them. Nevada beat Nevada lost to them. They're they're a tough team, but they're a tough team at home. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how they how they travel. Well, we see Nevada. Nevada's up there, like third third most road wins in the nation. So it'll be interesting to see how how this Mountain West tournament plays out. As I stated last week, I will be there in person. So if you see me, come say hi. Uh, but let's look ahead at March, even though it's already March. Uh, looking forward at the March Madness tournament, more specifically, uh, according to Joe Lenardi of ESPN, uh, Nevada is projected to fa- be a sixth seed in the Midwest region, where they would face the Arizona State Sun Devils in Dallas, Texas. I think this would be a very interesting matchup. Uh, but again, nothing is set in stone yet. That that's for next show, next week's show. We'll find out where in the country Nevada will be playing its opening round games and what seed and who they'll be and who they will be facing. Yeah, but if things pretty much stay the same, which I, I highly doubt they will, going up against Arizona State. I mean, last last time we went to uh, the March Madness tournament, we played um, Iowa State. We played Iowa State, who is like. They're really good. Going up against Arizona State is going to be interesting. Um, 
if we, if we do play them, it, I think it would definitely be a close game with the talent that we have and the drive that Nevada has coming into uh, the tournament. Yeah, it should be interesting to see where Nevada finds out. You can, uh, <clears throat> if you don't have access to TV or only follow us on Twitter, we'll be tweeting everything out during the CBS uh, March Madness show. Um, let's, it's that time of year where it's award season for college basketball. I'm excited. And Nevada uh, wrapped up pretty much all the awards in the Mountain West. It's a it's about damn time Coach Musselman won Coach Coach of the Year. Oh, it's three yeah. years, three years, he should have won it, but glad he finally did. The, he led the twenty second ranked Nevada Wolfpack to not only the number one seed in the Mountain West, but Nevada finished their last five weeks of the season ranked in the top twenty five. This is a very good team, and I thought he should have won it last year, but he got out, beat out by Larry Stacy. And he should have won it his freshman year, uh, his his yeah f- first year when he took a team that won seven games the year before to the twenty plus one CBI championship. Yeah, he should have won it all. Like you said, he should have won it for the past three three years. Taking a team like you said that won seven games the entire season to bring them to the CBI championships, to taking them to the number one seed Mountain West championships, taking them to the NCAA tournament. That's that shows a sign of great coaching to take a team who literally could barely make the number eight, number seven seed in the conference to have them be number six seed in the in the NCAA tournament. You're right. It has been a remarkable um, transition for for not only Nevada but Coach Moss. Let's uh, looking at the All Mountain West teams. You had Kendall Stevens, who was named to the All Mountain West third team. Cody Martin, which was named to the All-Mountain West second team, and Jordan Caroline and Kayla Martin named to the All-Mountain West first team. Any surprises here? Not at all. Cody Martin being locked down on defense. Caleb and Jordan, they've just been so consistent and so great in their game. I feel like if Lindsey Drew's injury never occurred, I think uh, he'd probably be on one of these lists. Yeah, definitely. I feel honestly, I feel like Lindsey Drew could it without his injury. I like, think he would have been a third, a third team. Third team. Honestly, I think he would have been a second team. I maybe. I, th- I mean, I was gonna go out there and say maybe be in the running for for Player of the Year, but that's also with a lot of different variables. Uh, I mean, him getting injured obviously it's, takes him out for the majority of those awards. But if he were to play those last couple of games that he's missed. I I feel like he could he could be up here and be in contention for player of the year. So, going over the full list of players even though this is a Wolfpack centered podcast. Third team you had uh, Bryson Williams from Fresno State, Kendall as we mentioned, Anthony Mathis in New Mexico, Kobe McEwen who has made a sh- uh, appearance on our show multiple times, yeah. Utah State, Sam Merrill from Utah State. Second team as Cody, Malik Pope, who we mentioned not less than 10 minutes ago, uh, Shakir Justice from UNLV, Brandon McCoy, UNLV, Hayden Dalton, Wyoming. And first team, you had Deshaun Taylor, Fresno State, Jordan and Caleb, Justin James, and Chandler Hutchinson. Now, when it comes to player of the year, we all knew it was either going to be Caleb or Chandler Hutchinson. I'm glad the coaches chose the right way. Yeah. If you haven't heard already, 
Caleb Martin was named Mountain West Player of the Year. It feels so good to say. Oh, yeah. Like, definitely well-deserved. Um, I'm so glad it went it went to Caleb and not uh, Hutchinson. Just, uh, I'm so glad. Yeah, Hutchinson uh, struggled struggled a bit in their second matchup with Nevada uh, on Valentine's Day, uh, limiting him to under 15 points. Uh, and I think that in crucial games, Caleb was more vital than uh, Chandler, although although Caleb was struggling with injury throughout the season. Yeah, well, he was struggling with injuries and stuff. I feel like Caleb was more, um, in my personal opinion, he was just a little bit more consistent with uh, getting in the paint, getting up, getting up there, getting uh, the ball around. He's an all-around player, and like I said, he's just, He's so consistent with everything that he does. You're right. He is Mr. Mr. Consistent. Mr. Consistency. Uh, other than that, more awards for Nevada. As, Co- as his brother, Cody Martin wins Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, this is such a big accomplishment because defense is, is such a key part of Cody's game. Mm-hmm. He, stri- he strives on defense, and we've seen him come up with so many crucial blocks at points throughout the season. And Yeah, and you can see that Cody, um, as I was saying earlier, he is very comfortable in the defensive. On He's very comfortable on defense where he can just sit there and he kind of he can kind of picture the scenarios that can come out and put himself in a position to make those plays. He's almost like a brick wall. You, you can't get past them. No, and going over the list, uh, Lindsey Drew also made the all-defensive team along with uh, Chandler Hutchinson, uh, Deshaun Taylor, and Tino Jackson in New Mexico, and Alan Hurden of Wyoming. Uh, some stuff we now so forgot to mention, some honorable mentions for all Mountain West teams. We have uh, this is gonna be good. Antonio Jackson in New Mexico, okay. Jalen McDaniels of San Diego State, uh-huh. Ryan Wellich of San Jose State, and the last guy, our favorite player ever in the Mountain West. Corvacho. Nico Corvacho. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, Co- Cody Martin has done something really impressive this season. It's something that only that no one else has done in the last 25 years. And Cody is the only person to average 14 plus points per game, six boards per, per game, four rebounds, four assists per game, 1.5 blocks per game, and 1.5 steals a game while shooting over 50% on the season. I think this just shows you um, Cody Martin's grit and toughness that he can average these numbers and play well on offense and defense. And it shows how much work he puts in for being the only person in the last 25 years to accomplish those numbers. You can immediately tell how much work he puts in day in and day out to keep himself at that um, at his at the top of his game. And it is it is truly we've seen the work be shown on the court like it's can you imagine if how different their games would have been if they played last year? I mean, if they would have played last year, I mean, I don't know. I I'm I'm skeptical. I'm glad that they didn't play last year to give them time to mature and develop their games and stuff. But if they were to play last year, I I don't know. 
for being for coming to this team, I feel like it would have been a little bit too early to just to have him go out and play. Um, but I mean, we we see the the results of them sitting out and having more time to develop their game and uh, truly be at the at peak performance come game time. And you imagine sitting out last year, they played against some pretty good competition in DJ Fenner, uh, Marcus Marshall, Cam Oliver. He was here last year. Yeah. So, but with that being said, we wish Nevada the best of luck in the Mountain West tournament this year. Uh, next next week's show should be a great one with uh, NCAA tournament preview. But with that being said, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some softball. We are back and we are here to talk about softball and their incredible run they've had over the past couple of weeks so let's jump into it they went four and one in the red desert classic which took place in saint george utah they started off the tournament with a seven to five victory over weber state uh sedaria mcallister and lauren gutierrez each drove in a couple of runs and ace julia jensen who you will hear on the show later through a complete game, striking out four. Then they followed up that game with another win on Friday against Southern Utah, where they won 12-1, to and that game was mercied. Uh, Southern Utah got mercied. Quinn Warner and Sierra Mello each drove in three runs, and both of them homered as well. Junior Amanda Guile, is that how you pronounce her name? Yes, that's how you pronounce Guile. her name. Guile, okay, through a complete game, only allowing three hits and striking out. She picked up her first win of the season. Then on Saturday, they killed Southern Utah again, 16-3, another game that ended in a mercy rule. Uh, Erica Hansen and Haley Burden each drove in four runs, and each of them homered as well. Kenzie Goins also drove in a couple of runs, and starter Callie Sargent threw a complete game, striking out nine. And in the second game on Saturday, uh, they beat Utah Valley 10-4. to Erica Hansen drove in three runs, including eight home runs, which makes it back-to-back. In the last two games, she had seven RBIs and two home runs, which is very impressive. Ace Julia Jensen threw another complete game, striking out 14 this game, and they ended their weekend on a sour note, losing to Montana 16-3. to uh, before this game, Nevada was on a seven-game winning streak, and then it just got abruptly snapped. Uh, Erica Hansen drove in three runs, including another home run. So in the last three games for Erica, she has 10 RBIs and three home runs. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. Yeah, like. That's the the numbers speak for themselves. Ten RBIs, that's that's that, very good. That's an astonishing number. Yes, it's very good, and it is good to see that Nevada softball rattled off a seven game winning streak. We knew they had them in them, 
And one thing we talked, and they were just oozing. They seemed to be oozing with conf- with confidence heading into each of the next games. Their record is now 10-10 and 10 on the season. And their first game, home game is in a couple weeks. And it's, it's next week. Is it next week? Next, I believe it's next Wednesday. Okay. Yep, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is their first home game versus Sac State. And we might be there. We might. Uh, but jumping into some st- stats, Erica Hansen is killing it this year. She is batting 404 with six home runs and 21 RBI on the season. So Daria McAllister also has 22 hits on the season, which is second most on the team. Uh, Julia Jensen has appeared in 14 games this season uh, and has a record of 6-4 and four on the season with a 3-12 ERA. Do you know what uh, ERA stands for now? Um, I had it in my head. It's it's es- es- estimated runs allowed. Earned run average. Earned run average. Now, do you know how to calculate earned run average? Not even close. Okay. Do you know how to calculate war? No. Do you know what war is? No. Are we going to get a math lesson here in a second? No. It's. I don't know how to calculate war. Oh, okay. <laughs> war is war is wins above replacement, and it's something that like I don't like. I don't know how to calculate, and I'm a stats guy. Like that's, I, I never knew, weird. I never knew how to like calculate it. Like it's something that I just like look up, like, yeah. it, like they have like I think you just computers do it for them. Yeah. Well, if if anybody listening to this actually knows how to calculate war, that tweet kind of a, stuff, tweet us at Pack Center NV. Tweet us the formula for war. Please, please let us know. Uh, and yeah, as we mentioned, the team is ten and ten. They've played nine. Uh, 19 of their 20 games have been on a neutral field, with one of them being on the road, and that was the game against Pacific. Yeah. But looking ahead, they partake in a quick UC Davis tournament where Thursday they play UC Davis. Friday they play Valpariso. Uh, Val Val, Valparaiso, sure. And then Saturday, Saturday they face Northern Colorado. But I think that this should be a very good home good quick road trip for Nevada as they just travel on the other side of the mountain. Yeah, especially since they don't they're not playing uh five games this tournament. Yeah, they're not playing two-day games. It's it's um spread out like the Davis games at 12:30. The Valparaiso game is at 9 a.m., which is I mean, I guess kind of early, but you're also in UC Davis, beautiful weather. And then uh the Saturday game is at 1 against Northern Colorado. So it's going to be easy. This tournament's going to be very easy going for them. I think Julia is going to pitch in one game? Huh? No, she's going to pitch all 3. No. I I, I can almost guarantee she's going to pitch all 3. I don't think so. I I think she is. You'll hear in uh the the Find interview. out next find out next week to find out next week to see whether or not my predictions were correct or Miguel's predictions were correct. Um but with that being said, let's jump straight into this interview. It was a great interview. Uh, thank you for Julia for stopping by the studio. I hope you enjoy the interview. We are joined by softball's very own Julia Jensen. Julia, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good. How's the arm feeling today? Uh, well rested. Uh, ready to go for this weekend. Um, you've pitched in 70% of the team's games. Does coach, do you ever tell coach you need a breather? No, no, that's not how it works. I'm ready to go always. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, 
with you pitching, which with you pitching every day of like a tournament, do you ever fear like of your arm burning out? Um, I don't. Uh, how softball uh works, you know, we pitch a lot more than you know what a baseball player would. Uh, we do that from a young age, so I'm pretty used to it at this point. And in, in all your years of softball, what's the most innings you've ever pitched in, like, let's say, a three-day tournament? Um, oh, my gosh. I couldn't even count. Um, I would say it's, it was pretty regular throughout high school to pitch five or six games a week, uh, maybe doubleheader on Saturday and a few games during the week. Is there – we all know the mechanics are different, but is there like something that like with softball players you're allowed to pitch much much more often than baseball players? Uh, well, we actually don't have limits like baseball, so it's really up to your coach's discretion. Um, it, I guess it's just how long you can be effective, and um, I mean as long as you're feeling okay. Well, did you coming into the season? Did you expect to pitch this much? Um, I really didn't have an expectation coming into it. Um, when I started pitching, I realized I was feeling pretty pretty good, um, pretty confident about my pitching. So, um, yeah, I can I can feel a little bit more confident about pitching more now, but I didn't have any uh, expectations. How many pitchers are on this team? Because it only seems like three or four starters are used like in these tournaments. Uh, we have five pitchers and then usually uh, four travel. So, yeah, about four pitchers. And how it, how come you seem to get the most low the most the the biggest workload out of any of them? Um, I think coach just likes to put in who he thinks will be effective in the moment. Um, you know, each team is different; and they have different strengths, just as each pitcher has different strengths. So, um, I think in those situations, he just uh, has trusted me. Being from Reno and playing for Nevada, is there any extra pressure put on yourself that you put on yourself or any extra else from your community? Um, I would say I don't put pressure on myself about that, but um, it is really exciting being from Reno because, um, you know, a lot of my old coaches and old friends and family members, um, they can watch me play. So it's like kind of a little bit of extra excitement, but I wouldn't say I put pressure on myself for it. Being a freshman, what's the adjustment been like so far getting used to college competition um I would say the adjustment is more of like a personal a personal thing it's more about like finding out that you have the abilities to play at this level um you know they're mostly the same players that you you might have played in high school and travel ball but you have to realize that you're good enough to play at this level did you did you know anyone on this team like from like the Reno area playing softball oh yeah I know a lot of people. There's 11 local girls, and I knew all of them before. And then um, three girls from my high school. So that must be that must be something really cool. Like like because you're all on the same. You guys are all on the same team, and then three of you three of you guys travel, come to the same school. Where else? Did, why did you choose to come to Nevada? Um, so I did have the opportunity to look at some other schools, but when I took a visit here. Um, I actually kind of, it opened my eyes to what Nevada has to offer. I mean, I grew up in Reno, um, and I knew, I was always a fan of University of Nevada, like athletics, but I didn't really know exactly what the school had to offer or what the community had to offer. So I really um, had my eyes open when I was on a visit, and I just really wanted to stay here, and then I can have the additional support from, like, the community and my family, which is really nice and kind of a unique thing that I wouldn't get anywhere else. 
In high school, you were a very good hitter. Are we ever going to see you step up to the plate for Nevada? Um, I don't think so. I think that that is over for me. <laughs> Coach doesn't. You guys always just DH, DH the pitcher. Uh, yeah, that's that's um, a choice. That's up to him. We have a ton of great hitters on the team, so it's really just about who can get the job done. You were a two-time Gatorade, uh, Nevada Gatorade Player of the Year. Would you say that's been your biggest accomplishment so far in your softball career? Um, I would say it was a big accomplishment. Um, it definitely made me feel like all the work that I put in was validated. Um, but I would definitely like to keep achieving things throughout college, you know, because that's high school and just want to keep achieving. Were there any goals you set for yourself at the beginning of the season? Um, I had a lot of personal goals. Um, mostly I just wanted to feel confident about my pitching, which has been coming. You know, it's a long process, but um, trying to focus on the work instead of the results. But no, like, this, no statistical goal? Um, no, I didn't really know what to expect out of college, so um, I'm kind of just doing my best and, like, working through it step by step you know, learning about it as I go. Um, who would you say is your biggest pitching influences? Um, I would say I was definitely influenced a lot by um, a girl from my high school. She went, she graduated before I got there, but I watched her growing up. Uh, her name's Chelsea Cohen. I watched her from when I was really young. Um, I saw her go through my high school. Uh, I saw her win Gatorade Player of the Year. Um, and then when I was in high school, she actually got to coach me. So um, she was definitely a really big influence. But also, I did grow up watching a lot of the great ones on TV, you know, and always hearing about, like, uh, Coach Brianne, about her success and all that. Do you with – Nevada, with Nevada not having a home game until next week, uh, is there a message you guys want to give to fans uh, to come out to, to softball games? Um, I would just say uh, we really appreciate – like all the support we get. And um, I know just from what people tell me that a lot of people aren't sure um, if they want to go to a softball game, but then when they do, they're, um, they're not disappointed. So, I mean, we love the community support and um, softball is really fun to watch. So. All right. Well, we are out of questions. You can check out uh, Nevada softball at home next weekend. Any final remarks? Uh, no, thanks. Go pack. Thank you. Back from break. Thank you for listening to Pack Center on Wolfpack Radio, iTunes, or SoundCloud, wherever you may be listening, wherever. Uh, but we are here to talk about the end of the regular season for women's basketball. They finished uh, their season on such a high note. Uh, they killed UNLV 75-55. to 55. 
and UNLV is the number two team in the conference. I did not see this coming. Miguel, did you? No, definitely not. For women's being ranked, I believe seven. I believe seventh. Seventh in the conference. Yeah, yes. seventh in the conference. Coming up and beating the number two team in the conference, especially with um, their second to last game of the regular season. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw this one coming. You're right. It, it was such a big shocker because everyone was like, everyone was expecting UNLV to come into Lawler and just kill Nevada, but it was the other way around. Uh, and this is big points for the Governor Series as well. Uh, five pack players scored in double figures. Timo led the ga- led the team with 15. Tej Zeller 13. Jade Redmond 13. Kamaria uh, King uh, 12 and Teray Briggs 10. This is great. This is something we've been talking about getting mo- scoring from a lot of people on the team. Yeah, passing the ball around, getting getting the ball to more players to score more more points. Uh, five pack players in double figures is it, it's it's good. It's the type of improvement and development that you want to see from the team. You're right. Let's just let's set a goal out for women's women's basketball. Score more points than your opponent. That's that's I, that's I think that's a general goal. Yeah, uh, except in golf. Yeah, fair enough. Fair uh enough. yeah. But I think it's great to see women's basketball put up games where they absolutely kill their uh kill the opponent seventy five to fifty five. I think one thing that was huge was the defense for Nevada mm-hmm. as they limited as they held UNLV to 11% shooting from beyond the arc. Yeah, that's de- defense plays a huge factor, especially the UNLV. Uh, them being such a, uh, a three-point shooting team, they like to take the shots, and they have confidence in taking the shots. For us being able to shut shut them down, essentially, to only shooting 11% from beyond the arc is, is crucial to winning, uh, to winning games. You're right, and... We, we've talked about on the show Nevada not really shooting the three ball very well. It, it, we, we've harped on that issue many a times. But in this game, Nevada shot 54 point, 54.5% uh, from three, which, equivalent, which was 6 of 11, which, which is good. Which is good for this Nevada team. Oh, yeah. The numbers, are, numbers are getting higher and higher, which, which is what needs to happen. You're right, and this is something I expect from the team more than games like where they shoot like 20% or less from three. Mm-hmm. But in the second game on the week, it was senior night on Friday. They conquered the Aztecs 84-72, to and in this game, uh, four pack players scored double figures. Tay Zeller in her final game in Lawler scored 20 points. Haley Bergman, 19. Teray Briggs, 15. And Timo with 12. The team shot really well. They shot 47% from the field, 45% from three, and 71% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. These, Like I've said before, these are the numbers that you want to see from this team. 71% from the free throw line. Whenever you get fouled and you go to the free throw line, it's essentially free points. They're giving them to you. Take as much as you can and say thank you. It's 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 great to see them shooting a lot better and as i've said before moving the ball around more efficiently getting it to more players and having and giving them the uh, options and ability to make those shots as we mentioned before it was senior night so we send a farewell to Bre- uh, Bergman Zeller Mo Timo and Jones 
Uh, thank you guys for your playing time here at Nevada. We it was truly truly something special for all four seniors playing playing for now their new their new coach Amanda Levins. Uh, but there were some his, there were some uh, record charting performances. Timo uh, after the game moved into fourth all time in free throws with 434 and an eighth all time in assists with 330. For be for a career, uh, that's that's really good, especially the free throws. Being able to make those free throws consistently, and I believe um, Timo like. She doesn't miss a lot of free throws that she no, has. No, she's a very good free throw shooter. She's very consistent with it, too. And in the uh, – we've already had one Mountain West game already, and it was on Monday. Uh, they defeated the Aztecs again, 95-84. to 84. And in this game, uh, five-pack players scored in double figures. Timo led the game and had, a, I think it was a career-high 29 points. Mm-hmm. Zeller had 17, Redmond 10, uh, uh, Seth, AJ Safis with 12, and King with 10. Uh, Timo went 12 of 14 from the free throw line, and Timo becomes Nevada's 13th player to eclipse the 1,000-point uh, mark when it comes to points. Yeah, and like I said before, with Timo with 12 for 14 on free throws, the consistency, only missing two two free throws out of four, out of 14 attempts is... It's great. You can see you see all the work that uh, she puts in to her game to make to be able to make uh, that many free throws that consistently. You're right. You're right. It does take a lot of effort and determination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the rest of the Mountain West tournament, since it is earlier in the week and the men's is later in the week, mm-hmm. games are going on as we speak. Uh, later tonight. Later on Tuesday night. We record on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Nevada ho- plays in-state rival, number two seed UNLV. Um, I I don't know how this game's gonna go because UNLV is pretty motivated. Uh, come getting after they got blown out in their second to last game on the season. They lost by twenty. Yeah. This game is is in Vegas, mm-hmm. so I don't know how this game's gonna go. I mean, with them having with them having the the quote unquote home home court advantage, um, you can see the game leaning more towards UNLV. But I feel like that. Uh, but does that really make a difference? I mean, in tournament play, I believe it does. Does it? I I, in my personal opinion, I think it does. While it's the same, you're going to get pretty much the same fans uh, as you had in regular season. To UNLV, it means a lot more for Nevada coming back and. Uh, with them losing to Nevada and then having a second matchup, um, the team is seems to be should be uh, a lot more fired up and a lot more like okay, no, this isn't happening again. But I feel like Nevada might be able to take it just with the role that we've had, the numbers that we've been putting up. I I feel like Nevada has a good chance. Yeah, earlier in the season, earlier in the year, we talked about the struggle in Nevada, but it seems like they have flipped the switch and. They are on a massive roll right now, as we've mentioned just this week. They're on a three-game winning streak, mm-hmm. and I think that if if they want to do it, it's gonna be it's gonna be very very tough. I think they can, they could do it, but it is tough. Looking at the looking at the bracket, 
Yeah, and you can see with uh, as you look through the past three games that Nevada has won, the numbers are steadily are steadily rising, especially in free throws and um, uh, three point shots. Yeah, and and if they were to win uh, against UNLV, they would face on Wednesday night. They would face the winner of New Mexico and Wyoming. Um, but that is all the preview we have. Let's look at award season. And now it wasn't as successful as the men's uh, award season was, but congrats to Tej Zeller for being named to the All-Mountain West team. This year, She in her senior year, she averaged 14 points and eight rebounds per game. She truly like was the captain of this team. Yeah, it's definitely a well-deserved award uh, taking on the role of kind of being the um, – the leader, uh, yeah, the leader, being one of the older, the older people on uh, the team, kind of taking everybody else uh, on her wing and saying like, "Hey, this coach knows what she's doing. Let's roll with it. This is how we're gonna do it." You're right, and especially with Nevada losing four big players from their team this year, mm-hmm. I feel like she's gonna be one that a lot of that Nevada's gonna miss big time. Yeah, definitely gonna be one of the ones that they miss the most as far as uh, leadership. But that is all we have for women's basketball. Let's take a final quick break and we'll come back with some baseball. talking about baseball and baseball had a fantastic weekend but as what happens with baseball all the time is they play a tuesday game and we don't get it to it on time because we recorded on tuesday i was sad sad but they lost to santa clara last tuesday six to four and in that game mike echevia drove in three runs and also hit a triple uh austin dick pitched two innings in relief only giving up one hit which is pretty good for two innings of relief. Yeah, and only giving up one hit. That's that's some good pitching. It is it and Santa Clara is a good team, so it was a mm-hmm. very, very tough loss um for the pack. But then they jumped into conference play f- this weekend and it was very successful. They faced they went two and all two and one against the defending Mountain West champions, n- the New Mexico Lobos. Uh in their first game. Uh, they won nine to five. With freshman Joshua Zamora drove in three runs, and five different pack players uh got extra base hits during that game. Cooper Powell went four innings in relief, striking out four and getting his first win of the season. Now this was a good win for for Nevada because they started off conference play one and zero, and I feel like you just need to start off conference play strong and then bu- keep building up momentum. Yeah, you need to you need to with with only having uh having a conference loss coming into other conference games there's definitely that like need 
to get on top and get some momentum going. So it's nice to see, especially going up against the previous Mountain West champs, New Mexico, winning uh, winning two games is great. Uh, yeah, you're right. And in the second game of the series, uh, they lost to the Lobos 8-5. to five. Mike Echevilla hit another triple. Uh, Dylan Shrum um, homered as w- in that game as well. And ace Mark Nowazeski went six innings, did not record a decision, but he struck out only one. I think we would like to see a better performance out of Nowazeski moving yeah. forward. Yeah. I mean, there's he is by far one of the better pitchers. In the conference. In the conference. But with the way that he's been that he's been performing lately, like you have to question if he's holding something back, if he's not if so, something's not right with him, because he should be doing a lot, lot better than what he yeah, has but been. We already we already and expect a lot out of him. It's there's not much more we could ask of him. Some people sometimes the the cards don't fall the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh and you have a bad outing sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, not everyone's perfect. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that um, that he isn't perfect. But I, what I'm saying is that he is a player that not only we're we're holding to a higher standard in play. He's proved to us that he can make he can uh, withstand that that higher intensity of play. So now it's like we're we're kind of expecting it of him to maintain that high standard. So when he drops down, it's like, all right, what's going on? I, I guess. Um, but you, you got to think that now Zeski's going to return back to form sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. But And in game number three, in game number three of the series, uh, Nevada was able to come away with the victory 13-8. Uh, to eight. Connor Allard and Tyler Bossetti – each drove in three runs, and freshman sensation Joshua Zamora homered twice in this game, and Grant Fennell also con- uh, contributed with another home run. It was. It seems like this was a freshman show as pitcher Jake Jackson went six innings and pick, struck out eight and also picked up his second win of the season. Yeah, you can see the freshmen are definitely um, – stepping up to the play and really giving it as much as they can. I think this was a great job by TJ Bruce and uh, the rest of that recruiting staff, uh, mm-hmm. being able to recruit freshmen who have made big impacts so far. As we see, Jake Jackson has looked phenomenal so far in his first two starts. He also picked up a save in the first game of the of this, of this the weekend uh, against New Mexico. And then Joshua Zamora having a monster series against New Mexico. So I feel like Nevada will be set for the future. I think there's nothing really we need to worry about. Yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're, we're going to be fine for the future. And also homering, as far as home, home runs go, it's difficult to do it on its, on its own. And like, um, it's, it's difficult to hit a home run. But the fact that Zamora hit two home runs in one game and you see the consistency with the freshmen driving in runs and um even the sophomores like getting getting runs in it's nice to see how set we're going to be for at least the next couple of years you're right man looking at some stats grant fennel is killing it this year 
as he's hitting 385 and leads the team in RBI with seven. Uh, can't much, can't ask more out of a veteran hitter like Grant. Uh, Mike Echevia is having a great year, 281, has six RBIs. Um, and looking at the pitching, uh, you you have you Jake Jackson killing it with uh, he's two and zero so far, and he's made he's appeared in four games, and his his ERA is zero point four seven. Is that good or bad? I believe with my uh, intuitive knowledge, that's very good. You're right. It is very good. And in that, he's pitched so far 19.1 innings, which is second most on the team, only behind Mark Nowazeski. In those 19 innings, Jake Jackson has allowed only nine hits in one run while striking out 27 batters. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Um his batting his batting average against him is 136, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Mar- on the other hand, Mark Nowazeski's one in one on the season with a 3.0 ERA, with a 3.0 ERA, and in that he has one complete game, which happened against Oral Roberts. He has struck out only nine batters, but he he's done a, he's done an effective job so far this season. Yeah, he's definitely been effective um, on the mound. Uh, like you're saying, going six six innings, striking out eight. He seems to be getting getting comfortable and finding his groove with the team and finding his groove when it comes to pitching. You're right, and Mark, we we you're doing everything we thought we thought he would do. And mm-hmm. let's take a look at the upcoming games. As I like like every is it every week that Nevada has a game on a Tuesday. I believe uh, it's every week. Uh, they like it. they play at the uh, at the University of Pacific. Uh, the Pacific uh, Pacific is five and eight on the season, and we will cover the results in next week's show, along with the first home series at Pacoli Park, uh, where the Nevada Wolfpack take on the San Jose San Jose State Spartans, who are six and six on the season. Since I'm out of town, Miguel, are you going to go? Yeah, I'll go and check it out. It's on it's uh, March 9th, this Friday at 1 p.m., as we said, at uh, Don Ware Field at Pacoli Park. Um, yeah, I'm going to go check it out. Why not? Good. Now you could actually know what you're talking about when we report. Yeah, I can actually like look down and be like, oh, yeah, I know what an ERA is. I know what all you this stuff is. You still won't know what ERA is. Oh, no, probably not. I'll have a little score sheet and like try and keep track of things. He's going to have baseball for dummies. <laughs> Pull it up on his phone. Hey, that stuff is revolutionary. Is it, though? I mean, yeah. I guess. For if you don't know anything about something, just Google get, it. Get well, Google it, or you get one of those like uh, uh, dummies guides to whatever. It's revolutionary. Which dummies guide do you have? Currently, right now that I'm reading, yeah, uh, statistics. Are you? <laughs> because uh, you don't it, know baseball statistics. Statistics. Well, well, yeah, baseball statistics and other class related things. And that's. Statistics 101 from Pack Center. Statistics 96. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not to 101 yet. No, not we're yet. Still 96. Okay. We're still, we're still trying to figure out what statistics is. Yeah. Oh, I'm not Miguel is. No. Yeah. The I am. My apologies. All right. But with that being said, um, we are wrapping up our show. Miguel, any final words? Um, 
Go ahead, follow me on Twitter since I'm actually using that now. MigMac08, M-I-G-M-A-C-08. Shout out to Garrett G-Stats. Uh, what is it? G-Stats what? It's, it's at Garrett Stats. Oh, at Garrett Stats. You follow me on Twitter at Garrett Stats. Miguel Butt doesn't even know my own handle. I'm sorry. Usually when I'm on Twitter, I'm looking at things that actually matter. Ooh. Oh, okay. This is this is <laughs> this is how we're gonna play the outros now. No, this is how. Oh, oh okay. You can cut this out. All right, no, this is staying in the show. Oh, um, all right. All right. You can follow myself at as Miguel, as I said earlier, at Garrett Stats. You can follow Pack Center on Twitter at Pack Center NV. You can also follow on Instagram at Pack Center Nevada. Be sure to look out for for content from this weekend's Mountain West tournament down in. Sandy Las Vegas. I think that's a good adjective. Very deserty, dry. Deserty, yeah. Uh, red. I I'm gonna I'm gonna try to restrain myself from uh, seeing the color red as much as possible. It's gonna be hard. I I suggest getting sunglasses with a very very dark blue tint. Maybe, mm, just maybe. Uh, but with that being said, one last thing before we go, go Wolfpack. Back.